Welcome to Dicey Stuff, the podcast about life, because, well, the dicey stuff is the realest stuff of our lives. Come along as Lois examines living as a Christian woman in this modern age. Time to roll. Hello, friends. Welcome to Dicey Stuff, the podcast. My name is Lois Matson. Thank you for joining me today. Do you know anyone with a bad reputation? Maybe a woman with a bad reputation, a man who makes bad choices. Maybe she isn't the most put together. Maybe he has a drug habit. Maybe he hangs with a bad crowd. Maybe she's had a few too many boyfriends. We're going to talk about bad, 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 bad girls today. And boys, you can apply this to boys too. But I'm going to talk specifically about a woman. You know, the Gospel of John is an incredible book. It begins with Jesus, the Word, being with God from eternity past, and Jesus, the Word, being God himself. John doesn't really give us the birth story of Jesus, but he talks about the Word becoming flesh, and that's kind of the extent of his birth story. And then he goes into John the Baptist and how John testifies that this Jesus is the Lamb of God. And then John goes into Jesus calling his disciples. And then immediately John tells about Jesus' first miracle, which interestingly is at a wedding where he turns water into wine. Really, really good wine. Then John tells about Jesus cleansing the temple and foretells his resurrection on the third day. Then Jesus talks to Nicodemus in chapter 3. And then we come to chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 45. It's a long, long scripture passage, but it's so beautiful. Listen to this inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God about a bad girl. Gospel of John, chapter 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, 
if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, 
and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. What a beautiful story. The woman at the well in Samaria was not a lily-white lady. She had had five husbands. And the man she was living with right now wasn't even her husband. Maybe she was afraid. Maybe she was desperate. So she was willing to live with a man who wouldn't marry her? She may have thought, at least I'm not living on the streets. We don't know if she had children. The women of the village probably knew this Samaritan woman's past. They might have whispered about her behind their hands with their friends. They may have avoided her company. They may have crossed over to the other side of the street when they saw her. They may have come to the well in the cool early morning or late evening air, making snarky comments as they chatted. The scripture says that Jesus was sitting beside the well at about the sixth hour. That time, according to the Jewish day, is about noon. That Jesus is tired and thirsty, and he's sitting beside the well, sends his disciples away to go and buy food. I don't think all the women of the village came at noon in that hot climate to draw their water and carry heavy jugs of water. I think they came in the morning when it was cool, or they came in the evening after it had cooled off. Those women of the village may have made this poor Samaritan woman's life so miserable that she would carry that heavy water jar at noon in the heat of the day rather than endure their company. The men of the village probably knew this woman's past also. They may have made crude jokes about who would be number six husband. They may have tried to be a little too friendly since obviously she was a woman who would put out. They may have kept their wives or their girlfriends or their sisters from associating with her. So for some reason, this woman would rather endure the heat of the day in carrying her water. We don't know this woman's past other than what the scripture says about her, but it doesn't paint a pretty picture. Her life seems difficult. But Jesus knew every intimate detail of this poor woman's past. He didn't avoid her problems. He went right to the heart of her troubles. 
and her troubles were sin. Not sin with a little s, five husbands living with a man who wasn't her husband, but all caps, S-I-N, sin, her sinful nature. And Jesus did not condemn her. Jesus knew that she was a sinner, and he didn't avoid meeting her at the well. In fact, he went out of his way to be there at noon when she arrived alone to fill her water jar. Verse 4 says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Most of the Jews did not pass through Samaria when they left Judea and went to Galilee because Samaritans were half-breeds. They were not purebred Jewish blood. In fact, the woman addresses their religious differences a little bit later when she says, Our fathers say worship on this mountain. Your fathers say worship in Jerusalem. Where's the right place to worship? But Jesus had to pass through Samaria. His reason for having to pass through Samaria was because he had an appointment with a woman of Samaria, a bad girl, at high noon at Jacob's well. Jesus asked this woman for a drink, which was a really good way to segue into a conversation with her. It's a hot day. It's noon. You're sitting by the well. But the woman is confused because she can see either by his dress or by his accent. Somehow she knows that this man is a Jew, not a Samaritan. And she says, how are you asking me for a drink of water? And John's beautiful parentheses in the Gospel of John, he has in parentheses in the ESV, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I love these little asides in the Gospel of John where he clarifies why something is happening. There's a parenthesis in verse 8. When the woman comes to draw water and Jesus says to her, give me a drink, John puts a parenthesis, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. That's why Jesus is sitting there alone by the well, thirsty, total rabbit trail. I also love that Jesus is shown in the Gospel of John as human. Here, he's thirsty and he's tired. He's taken a break from the hot day by the well. So though he was fully God, he was also fully man and capable of being tired, capable of being thirsty. Okay, back to the woman at the well who's asking, how is it that you're asking me for a drink? And Jesus doesn't really answer her question, but he talks about living water that will quench a person's thirst forever. Of course, The lady asks for some of this wonderful water that quenches thirst forever. She would never have to lug a water jug out to this well again. Instead of answering her, Jesus says, Go, call your husband and come here. And this woman confesses that she does not have a husband. Jesus told her, 
that she was right in saying that, but that she had had five husbands in the past, and that her current living arrangement was not a marriage. Jesus addressed this bad girl's sin, and he forgave her for it. He told this woman clearly that he is the Messiah. He didn't do that often. He didn't go around telling people who he was as the anointed one, the Messiah. Verse 25 says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Messiah is who the Jews were looking for since Eve and Adam. There would be a seed who would come, a seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. He was foretold in all the Old Testament prophecies. Isaiah said that he would be born of a virgin. Micah said that he would be born in Bethlehem. He would sit on the throne of his father, David. He would come from the lineage of David. All of these Old Testament prophecies came true in Jesus. And he tells this Samaritan woman that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one of God. The Christ is anointed one. David was anointed with oil by the prophet Samuel. But it was earthly oil and his reign ended when he died. Jesus is anointed with oil that is not earthly, that is heavenly, that is the anointing of the Father. And he came to do the Father's will. When he died, his reign was just beginning because he, on the third day, came out of that grave and he lives forevermore. Jesus loved this woman, although she was a sinner. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus did not excuse her sin, but Jesus loved her in spite of it. Well, that was then, and this is now. Today, Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves bad girls. Girls with a past. Jesus loves bad boys. Boys who have made really bad choices. Jesus loves them, and he died for them. He died for you. You may never have done really bad things, but your sin is just as awful in God's eyes as those terrible things that the woman of Samaria did, that the bad girls of today do, that the bad boys of today do. Jesus loves sinners, and he wants you to do the same. Jesus wants you to tell people about him, about the Messiah, the anointed one, who gives living water that quenches thirst forever. 
Don't excuse sin. Don't condone sin. But love sinners in spite of sin. Witness the great grace and the love of God to sinners. And let people know that there is hope and there is life and there is forgiveness in Jesus. And that there is freedom from the slavery of sin and death. As you witness about Jesus the Messiah to bad girls and bad boys, you can get yourself into dangerous situations or unsettling situations. If you're a young person, please talk to your parents or your pastor before you befriend a person who is doing drugs, who's living in sexual sin, who's living a sinful lifestyle. That is a situation that must be handled carefully and prayerfully. And if you're a minor, it should only be handled with your parents' involvement and approval. Please, please be careful. Satan will try to tempt you to join into a sinful lifestyle rather than drawing the person that you are trying to help out of sin. Always, always be accountable to someone you trust, a parent, a pastor, someone who will keep you from falling into sin. If you have a bad reputation, if you're a bad girl or you're a bad boy, if you're living a sinful lifestyle, please, please talk to a Christian about it. A pastor, a friend who is a Christian, find a Christian. Go to your local Lutheran church. They're all over the world. God's grace and Jesus' blood covers every sin that you have committed. There is no sin outside of his reach and of his grace. There is hope and there is new life in Jesus. The gospel is for you. Believe it. Receive it. The living water washes you white and pure, and you can be at peace with God. God is at peace with you. He is satisfied with the sacrifice of his son. God loves you more than you can ever know. His heart is for you. His desire is for you. His blood is for you. Turn from sin and live. Jesus' disciples, when they came back, were surprised that he was talking to a woman. But they didn't dare ask him about it. And that woman left her water jar because she was in such a hurry. And she went away into town and told all the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? When the disciples brought him food, they're urging him to eat. And he said, I have food that you don't know anything about. And they're wondering, who brought him food? Did someone bring him food? And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He says the fields are white for harvest. John testifies in verse 39 
that many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. They wanted him to stay. John testifies again in verse 41 that many more believed because of the word of Jesus. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, because we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is the Savior of the world. That is a work of God. Glory. Hallelujah. The book of Revelation chapter 1, the end of that chapter, when John sees the Son of Man in a vision, this Son of Man is standing in the middle of seven golden lampstands. He's clothed with a robe. He has a golden sash around his chest. His hairs are white like wool, like snow. His eyes are like fire. His voice is like the roar of many waters. His face is like the sun shining in full strength. When John sees this man, he falls at his feet as though dead. But this man, this son of man, laid his right hand on John and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. This is the John who wrote about the woman at the well, who knew the ever-living one, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Christ the Anointed One, the Savior of the world. This man, this God-man, saves from sin eternally. And if you drink of his water of life, you will never thirst again. Glory, hallelujah! What a wonder this faith is! that brings us to life, to eternal life. Thank you for listening to Dicey Stuff. God's peace be with you. Oh, hey, DSPS. This Sunday is Reformation Sunday. Do you sing A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that wonderful hymn by Martin Luther, in your church? on Reformation Sunday morning? If you don't, you should give it a try. This song text is a beautiful comfort based on Psalm 46. I'm going to read the words to A Mighty Fortress is Our God from the Psalter Hymnal. It may be a different translation. This Song has been translated many, many times from the original German that Martin Luther wrote it in. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. Our helper he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth. 
is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing, were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Sing it Sunday. Sing it loud. This song is called The Battle Hymn of the Reformation. When the church was being called away from doctrines of men and traditions to the scripture, the word, the word who John talks about, who came to dwell among us. Have a good day, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dicey Stuff, the podcast where Lois talks about this big dicey adventure called life. You're welcome to send your comments and feedback to DiceyStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Please, if you would, subscribe and share. Until next time, roll on, friends.